Today is a day of celebration as we look at the overturning of Roe v. Wade. But of course, you know, not everybody is celebrating. In fact, there are some out there who actually believe that our already tenuous relationship as a nation will be fractured by this one issue. However, today I'm going to argue that there's actually something underneath all of the things that we're talking about right now that actually could spell the death of our nation if we don't fix this one thing. We'll talk about that and more today on Indie Thinker. Today's show is sponsored by our friends over at Element Home Loans and the Kevin Blair team. If you're looking for a new home or you want to refinance your home, then you need to go check out kevinblairteam.com today to see how they can help you and let them know that IndieThinker sent you when you go. Today is a day of celebration, and I know there are going to be those who will not celebrate and actually want to make you feel bad for celebrating. In fact, there are pastors who will just say, hey, we shouldn't celebrate at this time. What about people who are trapped in crisis pregnancies and we need to be mindful of them? And uh, you know, we, what we wanna do is we wanna be slow to speak on this issue. No, we've been slow for about 50 years on this Roe v. Wade issue. And now that it is overturned, it is, a, it is a time for us to celebrate. We should be honest about how we feel if we truly are pro-life without the fear and the extortion of people saying that that's not sympathetic or that's not empathetic to people to celebrate what is by all objective standards, a great, great day in American history now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned. I'll just put it to you this way. So uh, it's interesting that we don't castigate or uh, call unsympathetic or unempathetic those who wish to celebrate when their football team wins, right? They're not supposed to make sure that they're being very mindful of the feelings of the opposing team. All right, I know that's probably a bad example because that's football, but let's broaden the example out to something that's really extreme then. Uh, so for those of us who celebrate the fact that America and the Allied forces won World War II, it does not mean that we're unsympathetic or uncaring about the lives that were lost on the other side of the battlefield. Of course, we, we lament the fact that there had to be hundreds of thousands of people um, on, on the Allied side and on the other side of World War II who lost their life, but we celebrate it nonetheless because it's a good thing. Without the fear of people pointing their finger and wagging it at us and, and telling us that we should be more politically correct. No, we celebrate it because it is an objectively good thing that Roe v. Wade was overturned. I'll get into a little bit more why it's so important that we celebrate, perhaps even if you might at least initially disagree with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So I want you to stick with me uh, as we get kind of more to the middle part of this. Uh, but because I believe that there's, there's some missing pieces that might even help you look at things from a different perspective. Again, I'm not expecting everybody who tunes into this channel to always agree with me. In fact, I, I welcome you and say, please come join me in the conversation as we talk about these things. But I just think there's some basic facts that we need to lay out before we can really develop a strong opinion or a strong idea about what's going on with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Le but first, let me kind of try to illustrate that for you by, by going to some of the responses that we are hearing right now as a result of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So first, I turn you to the, you know, the collection of the smartest among us, the elites, the sports world, 
And of course, the WNBA was very quick to come out and voice their concern with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And again, I'm going to use these just as an example for kind of the national conversation that we, we seem to be having in some places. So here's what the WNBA said. Quote, this decision shows a branch of government that is so out of touch with the country and any sense of human dignity. Now, out of touch with the country. Again, I'm going to get to that in just a moment, but I have to go to the last part of that, human dignity. Well, this is what pro-lifers have been arguing from the very beginning. So it's very ironic that they use the word that we are out of touch with human dignity because that's what we think the abortion stance is, out of touch with human dignity because um, you may say my body, my choice, but the body in your body isn't your body because that's a human. Uh, you can use whatever euphemistic language you would like by calling that baby in your, in your womb a fetus. Or you can even call it a clump of cells if you want, but it doesn't change the scientific reality that that's a human being. You leave that thing alone for a little while and guess what happens? You give birth to a beautiful bouncing baby boy or girl. Yes, those are the only two options, by the way. Uh, so the reality is, is that human dignity would demand that we might actually care about the human involved in this situation in the womb. But it didn't stop the sports world from yet commenting again, because now we have Megan Rapino, Rapino, Rapintos, whatever her name is, the U.S. women's soccer player, say this. Quote, we know that this will disproportionately affect poor women, black women, brown women, immigrants, women in abusive relationships, women who have been raped. I just have to stop there real quick. So women in abusive relationships are just supposed to kill their babies because their boyfriend or our husband was abusive. Let's just go on, right? Because it gets better. Women and girls who have been raped by family members or who, you know, what maybe just didn't make the best choice. And so here we have at the very end of that comment, the, the obvious and most honest thing she could say, which is that the vast majority of abortions to the tune of about 98% of abortions in America simply happen, not because of life of mother or because of rape and incest. But, uh, and, and by the way, the, the new one of abusive husband, like that's, that's a new one to me. Needless to say, 98% uh, of abortions happen simply for the sake of convenience, because you're not ready, because you don't feel financially stable, because you stumble into a Planned Parenthood and they sell you an abortion rather than selling you an adoption or any other option that you might truly have to choose from among the panoply of options that you could choose outside of terminating the life of a child. But, but I want to go back to what she said, because this is always the virtue signaling thing you always hear from the left. You hear about the marginalized, the, the poor black women, brown women, um, and just associating them with poor people, I think, is kind of like a really subtle elitist comment, by the way. But nonetheless, the one thing I would have to say is if you truly care about black and brown bodies, black and brown people, then you might think about the black and brown babies in the womb, because right after all, you let them come into the world and there's more of them to, to impact and make a difference in the world. And right now, you can look at these statistics yourself, but a third of all abortions that take place in the United States are from black and brown people. So that means a third of all babies that are being aborted are black and brown among a segment of the population that only makes up 13% of the American population. So again, 13% of the population is black or brown, but yet they make up a disproportionately large amount of the abortions that take place every single year. In fact, Planned Parenthood has strategically placed abortion clinics right in those specifically brown and black neighborhoods, not to care for them, but to carry out the genocidal cause of making sure that there are not 
brown and black babies that come into the world and proliferate in the world. So again, I would just say this. If you really care about black and brown babies, you might think about taking a pro-life stance, which would ultimately protect the mother and protect the child. But let's venture a little deeper into the recesses of the leftist mind and let's go into the music world because we have Billy Joe of Green Day saying that he's going to renounce his citizenship and move to the UK. Now, this is mind blowing to me because based upon the songs and the singing of Billy Joe, I thought he was from the UK. In fact, when Green Day first came out in the 90s, I remember there being some conversation about the way in which he sings and how it sounds British. Anyway, um, you'll have to kind of research that on Google a little bit and, uh, and fact check there. But nonetheless, he's going to renounce his citizen citizenship and move to the UK. We will miss you deeply. Has Green Day actually done anything like in the last 20 years? Now, this is total ignorance because I actually don't care, but I'm just, I'm sincerely asking. Maybe you can comment down below and you can tell me, but I'm... I'm um, painfully unaware, uh, maybe not painfully, but totally unaware of the fact that uh, they were even singing still. Uh, but then we have somebody who still is in the game. We have Pink, and she came out and she said this. Let's be clear. If you believe the government belongs in a woman's uterus, which, by the way, that sounds extremely painful. The government cannot fit in a woman's uterus. She goes on to say, a gay person's business, but of course, I guess we're supposed to mess with cake businesses, but we're not supposed to be in a gay person's business, or that racism is okay. Now, already, all right, I know I had to stop really quick in the midst of all of that stuff, but she said, being in a gay person's business, being in a woman's uterus, and being racist. So all three of those things are just a, a hodgepodge uh, a weird assortment of things to put together, but uh, certainly, um, if you're those three things, this is what Pink wants you to know. And please, in the name of your Lord, not her Lord, your Lord, never effing listen to my music again and also F right off. As far as I'm concerned, um, challenge accepted, and I definitely didn't in the first place and won't. But I do know one song, uh, so pretty, pretty please. Don't you ever feel like you're less than perfect. Pretty, pretty, please. If you ever feel like you're nothing, you're perfect if you agree with me. That's, that's the ideal, right? You have to agree with Pink or you have no business listening to my music. This is kind of a side note, but this is the problem that I have with positive affirmation, just saying all kind things and never actually being willing to be honest about the things that may not necessarily seem kind and only telling people what they want to hear rather than telling people the truth is you really don't mean it. Let, let's just be honest one with another and let's be clear about what we think. You don't think people are perfect um, regardless of the way that they think and you're not accepting of all viewpoints. Nobody is because you know why? You shouldn't be. Because she did mention a viewpoint there that you should actually be totally against, which is racism. So you shouldn't be um, acknowledging the perfection of the person who believes white people are superior to black people or black people are superior to white people or anything else. That's not a view that is perfect in any like English dictionary that you can think of. So let, let's forget the positive mental attitude stuff and push that to one side and let's just be honest and be, and be truthful. But I think that does belie what I'm trying to get at here. We're starting to become a culture where the truth is not relevant. 
where we only have my opinion and your opinion, which by the way is just another way of saying my truth and your truth. Wherever you hear that, you can rest assured you're hearing postmodern idiocracy and you can just turn it off. So these comments that, that you just heard belie an incredible ignorance about Roe v. Wade too and, and what the Supreme Court just did when they overturned Roe v. Wade. Winston Churchill said this. He said that the truth is so precious that it is often protected by a bodyguard of lies that to actually get to the truth, you're gonna to have to push through all of the mess and all the lies to finally get there. I wanna point you to a Pew Research poll that was conducted that kind of illustrates my point here. And so this Pew Research poll goes into kind of the breakdown, at least according to this one poll, and I understand polls are not perfect, uh, and they, they tell you something, but they don't often tell you what is what the polls intend to tell you, but, but it can be helpful for us, at least in looking at this, to see, see some things about kind of the makeup of the country and where people lie in terms of pro-life stance and pro-abortion uh, pro stance. So here's this Pew Research poll. And the headline for this poll is America's Abortion Quandary. A majority of Americans say abortion should be legal in all or most cases, but many are open to restrictions. Many opponents of legal abortion say it should be legal in some circumstances. And what they're alluding to is just this simple fact that if you look at this pie chart, the people that they polled, if you look at the blue parts of this uh, pie chart, and I'll, I'll give them to you and then get to kind of the ultimately what they're trying to assess from this poll. Uh, it says that 36% polled said that abortion should be legal in most cases. 6% said legal in all, and 19% said legal in all cases, no exceptions. So if you add that all together, that makes up 61% of the people polled believe that abortion should be largely legal. So the suggestion from this poll is that what we should have is a way to flesh out how Americans feel based upon this Pew Research poll in America, that the nation should have a abortion law that reflects what people actually feel. Now here's where the ignorance comes into play, and here's why there is a bodyguard of lies around the truth here. What took place on Friday with the overturning of Roe v. Wade and what the Supreme Court did is actually the exact kind of recipe you would want to enact a nation that reflects the nation's and people's desire as far as abortion is concerned. See, what happened on Friday didn't violate that whatsoever. It actually created the atmosphere for that to take place. But this is where so many people are so emotionally blind that they do not see what actually took place. People can't see past the talking points that they've heard for so long on the issue of abortion to recognize the fact that, listen, even if you're in a state which is going to make abortion largely illegal, you can still cross state lines and you can get an abortion. You can still, while you're in your own home, go to a place and potentially get an abortion pill since you're not getting a quote-unquote abortion procedure. There are still going to be ways, even in states that have legalized, uh, made abortion illegal, where you can actually access an abortion. Now, it may not be as convenient as it was before, but this is what we're looking at largely in the United States right now, not the abolition of abortion as a result of Roe v. Wade over being overturned. But this is what by and large the poll should be about because the vast majority of Americans have no idea what Roe v. Wade was even about.
In fact, the vast majority of Americans don't even know that there's another law called Casey that was an attempt to try to elaborate further on Roe v. Wade because Roe v. Wade was such horrible case law. Furthermore, I know this is gonna be a bitter pill for people to swallow, but the reason that Roe v. Wade was overturned is not just because you got a bunch of pro-life judges on the court. No, it's actually because you've got judges who care about the truth and who care about the law. This is what Clarence Thomas said in his concurrence. So I wanna take you again to one of those old white men ruling from the bench and talking about this issue. So here's what Clarence Thomas said. Quote, 50 years since Roe and abortion advocates still can't coherently describe the rights at stake. This proves the obvious fact that the right to an abortion is a policy goal in constant search of a constitutional justification. What Clarence Thomas is saying then is that ultimately people just want abortions and they're willing to try to attach any law to it that they possibly can. And again, I wanna remind people even though I, I, they've probably heard it in other places, and maybe you've heard it from me before. But again, Roe v. Wade being overturned just means that there is no federal mandate to allow abortions. Now the states can decide on their own. And so what you're going to have very, very much um, in the United States is you're going to have places like California, very blue, and they're going to be a, an abortion oasis of sorts. In fact, they're probably going to pass laws that will finance people coming from other states into California to have an abortion. And then you'll see places like New York, and they'll have very loose, if any, abortion restrictions whatsoever, even all the way up until the third trimester or, you know, maybe even after birth if they really get their way as it seems they want. Uh, regardless, you're going to have all of these different states representing different perspectives on abortion. And this is what the overturning of Roe v. Wade actually did. It didn't eliminate abortion. But again, if you took a poll and asked people um, uh, about what Roe v. Wade actually did, the vast majority of them would suggest that, that right now the Supreme Court just eliminated abortion, which is not what they did. Again, it's a state issue, and now states can decide. But this is the real reason that our society may be fracturing. I want to turn you really quickly to a Substack article from Barry Weiss's Common Sense. And in it, she says this, America is in the midst of fracturing for years now. Many have been warning about a coming national divorce. The optimists predict a slow slide apart. Others warn uh, darkly of civil war. With Friday's Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade, it's hard not to imagine that that divide between states, between liberals and conservatives, will grow. Red states for open carry, blue states for abortion rights. Law firms that exclude members of the Federalist Society, others that welcome them. So it sure seems, right, that it's a palpable moment and that there's a lot of division, but why is that division happening? Well, I wanna come to this suggestion that there's perhaps something more going on that needs to be rectified or we will divide increasingly more and more and more, regardless of at what pace, to the point where this, ex this American experiment is truly in jeopardy if we don't fix this one issue. And again, I wanna be really clear, that one issue actually isn't abortion. But I, but I want to be really clear, too, as I say this, that people like myself, and maybe I'm only speaking for myself, but I think I'm speaking for a larger group of people than that, but the pro-life community and me as a pro-lifer, I'm just going to tell you that we are going to continue to stand um, until the last abortion in the last state has, has happened uh, for the sake of the protection of the unborn. And we are not interested in a peace 
that exists at the expense of babies' lives. So no, we're, ne we're never gonna take to arms or we're never gonna uh, uh, take to political violence or anything like that, but we are gonna stand up for what we believe in and we are not gonna back down and we are gonna continually push forward until abortion is unthinkable and illegal in the United States. And I know a lot of people will be upset about that, but we're gonna to continue to stand in that position and then say, come what may, because we are not interested in peace at the expense of babies' lives. And, and by the way, we, if there is something that we would divide over, maybe it does seem that this is the right, the right issue because we've been talking about bodily autonomy uh, a lot in the United States lately. In fact, we talked a lot about it with COVID. And in fact, what came up through COVID is this kind of tenuous relationship that some people feel that they have with the federal government. So really, the nation was kind of split between a federal government that believed that they could shove their ideas down people's throat and a group of people that believe that each state can kind of assess these situations and that people need to hear from the federal government and then make their own decision. In other words, they have bodily autonomy. By the way, I think we're having that conversation again. We're saying states should have bodily autonomy to decide what they want to do, right? So the bodily autonomy thing is not um, uh, the government uh, shoving their uh, positions down our throat, even if it means that that's a pro-abortion position. That's not bodily autonomy, guys. You say, my body, my choice, but that's not a choice. The, the, the Supreme Court, again, didn't do anything other than to say, you can choose. You can choose on a state-by-state -state basis what you actually think about this issue, and you guys decide this is not the federal government's business. But there are those who want to use the federal government as a club and to shove their opinions down everybody's throat. And then there are others who believe that states should have a certain autonomy about them and that the federal government shouldn't be able to impose their will upon us. This is something that we continue to see. But we're never going to solve that unless we solve this one thing. So side note aside, it's not the issue of abortion per se, although a very important issue. Here's the real issue. When we have to make a binary decision where there's only two options, and in this case, life and death, what we need is we need facts to push us to the right conclusion. But we have a very small contingent of radical activists who want to deceive a large contingent of mostly ignorant people with emotional arguments. And that's what we're seeing right now with the pro-abortion side of things. And I'll just go ahead and lump in that, sure, there's probably a group of pro-life people that are ignorant to some of the arguments of the pro-abortion uh, movement. But, but largely speaking, there is one side of this issue that is really ignorant and sounds very illogical when they're making arguments. So I'll put it to you very succinctly. When we're talking about the life of the mother, it doesn't happen. There is no reason to intentionally abort a baby to save a mother's life. Medical science has advanced to the place where that is no longer necessary. And when we're talking about rape and incest, well, you don't blame a baby for the sake of what somebody else did in, in that baby's life. There are other options. And so the reality is, is that the decision is very clear, but we cannot see it clearly if we have something called confirmation bias. And I, and I wanna spend the last part of the show here just kind of illustrating this very quickly, because I think this is what we're suffering from as a nation, more so than a, you know, a discussion about masking and not masking or life and abortion. 
that's not really what we're suffering from. We're suffering from the inability to be able to reach across the aisle and discuss with people without confirmation bias. And confirmation bias is just simply this, is that whenever you are delivered a set of facts, you are looking to confirm your bias rather than to actually know the truth. That's what confirmation bias is. In other words, you're constantly looking for a self-fulfilling prophecy that even if the facts deny your position, you're going to try to find a way to make the facts fit your position. As long as that's what we're operating with here in the United States, we are never going to truly see eye to eye because we don't care about the truth. And if we continue to not care about the truth, it will fundamentally erode our nation. So yeah, it may come in the form of like abortion arguments. It may come in the form of bodily autonomy arguments with COVID and all of these things. But one way or the other, here's what we desperately need. We need people who can suss through and parse information and find the truth. If I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to drop my cards a little bit and show them to you. As a conservative Christian, I believe in the promise of a new mind. When you come to Jesus, one of the promises that it gives you is not just that you go to church on Sunday or that you believe a bunch of funny different doctrines. No, it, one of the promises of being a Christian is that you are supernaturally changed in the way that you view things, that you have a new worldview or a way in which you view the world that is supernaturally given to you. That's the promise of sanctification and salvation in the Christian worldview. And that's why I do Indie Thinker is to kind of reanimate and to reassert this promise that we can have a new mind that thinks differently about things and that we can essentially, we can eliminate as much as possible confirmation bias continually through a process of renewing our mind and desiring to see the truth. That's really what I believe as a Christian is, is a promise that's given to us and a promise that I want to try to assert with Indie Thinker, that we can think independently, we can think for ourselves, we can be free thinkers, and we can sort through the truth beyond our confirmation bias, beyond what we want to be so, so deeply that we're willing to change the facts in order to get to that. And obviously, I guess what I'm saying is, is that this is what is happening with the abortion side of this argument. We are willing to totally deny the reality that a baby is a baby. And we use euphemistic language like fetus in order to try to get away with what we know to be true. That under no circumstance whatsoever is it right to eliminate the life of another human being regardless, regardless of what stage of development they may be in. It's a materialistic fallacy to just say because I can see somebody they're out of the womb that that makes them viable rather than when they're inside of the womb, because a baby outside of the womb when it's just born is no more viable than one that's, 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 that's inside the womb. It doesn't make it more viable just because it's out. So the point is, is that we're operating under confirmation bias right now. We do not wish to see the opposing point of view here. And as long as that is true, we will constantly be at each other's throats. But I believe for better than that. We can push past the body of lies and get to the truth. But when you hear the emotional way in which people approach this, specifically from the pro-abortion side of things, it's, it's hard to think that we are going to return to rational coherence. And until we do, our nation will be under threat. Until we realize that what the Supreme Court did was actually to ensure that you have a voice rather than the federal government shoving things down your throat. Until we realize that the truth is, is that scientifically speaking, that cluster of cells is a baby and, 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 and it has its own autonomy and you cannot take that from them and it has a fundamental right to exist and you can't take that away from them. 
until you're willing to hear those arguments and to, and to really clearly see them past the emotional talking points that are associated with the pro-abortion movement, I think we will find that, that we don't see eye to eye and may never. But, but I, I believe for better. We can return to rational coherence. We can return to logically consistent worldviews. And we can return to the truth. All right, guys, you can do your part in doing that by liking, sharing, and subscribing, and other things, of course. Thanks so much for watching. We'll catch you next time. You can catch brand new episodes of Indie Thinker with Reed Uberman every Monday and weekly bonus episodes to keep you thinking throughout the week. But you have to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new episodes drop. If you enjoy this content, make sure to like this video and share it with friends.